At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack. And save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I mean, I could feel it from afar when I wasn't here. You know, you just know that uh, there are two teams that, uh, you know, have a bunch of pride. They both play at a high level. Um, really well coached teams um, with a bunch of recent success. So um, I'm, you know, excited to be a part of it. It's excited to, uh, you know, get my first taste of it. He, they're off to a, a terrific start and it looks really like a, it was a great move to get them. I think he's uplifted their program, it seems, you know, and, and, and they're excited about it. This is another divisional game. It's going to be a big game for us. So um, back-to-back weeks with, with, with good quarterbacks, they can do a lot of things with their feet and arms. So um, another challenge, but we're ready for it. You know, we have a great understanding of what they try to do on defense and, uh, obviously, they're, they're, they're very good at what they do. So, um, you know, it'll be a great challenge in, in a good way. What a way to start week five. No extra effort needed to hype this one. Boom. Rams at the Seahawks. Three and one versus two and two. A two-game swing. They're either both going to be three and two or the Rams are going to be four and one. And the Seahawks, after starting last year, five and oh and not ending it nearly as well as 5-0 would suggest, would be at 2-3. and three. Wow. Well done, NFL. We have been spoiled this year with some great primetime games, and hopefully this one won't be 44 to nothing. Hopefully it will deliver. But on the surface, it has all the indications, Chris, that it will. I'm, I'm pumped for it. I am. I mean, when I saw this, like, I, I don't look at the schedule really until, like, Monday a little bit, really, right? And when I saw Thursday night game was Rams-Seahawks, I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm always excited for Thursday night, just like we said last week. I don't care. Jaguars, Bengals, whatever. It's an opportunity for us to sit down and watch one game. So I always love that aspect. Uh, but, man, yeah, it's, it's meaningful. Like you said, the NFC is legit. The NFC West is the best division in football. You fall behind in this division, you could be in big trouble. And, um, yeah, I got, I got two different feelings about both teams that, you know, we'll talk about here and kind of unpack. Yeah, let me just say this. You mentioned the Jaguars-Bengals game. I have a feeling Sean McVay is not going to hang around Seattle for a couple days after this. <laughs> you think, a weird feeling. You think that psycho guy would do that, just right? Just a weird gut right. feeling that 
he's going to get on the plane and go back to L.A. No, Not that he would have been tempted to stick around, but to the extent there was any part of him that wanted to, you know, go to the Space Needle or just, you know, get out of Dodge. We'll talk more about that later. For now, though, let's focus on the Rams and the Seahawks. And I'm, I'm confused about the Rams, Chris, because they were so great out of the gates. Right. They dismantled the Buccaneers. Then they get dismantled by the Cardinals. And let's focus on that Rams offense. Matthew Stafford did not have his best game in L.A. Obviously, they lost it. What do you think he does and the rest of that offense does against the Seattle defense after what they did or didn't do against the Cardinals defense? Well, that, that's where I was going to stay. Uh, start. Like, you know, yeah, the Rams are 3-1, and one, and they lost a game where – you know, in, in my opinion, where I look at it and evaluate it and go, okay, yeah, they lost, and, you know, Arizona handled them. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I don't want to say handled them. I, I looked at that game more as Arizona played really good football, and the Rams just made some mistakes that I, I felt were self self-inflicted, not necessarily just the Cardinals beat their butts, right, and just some physical whooping. You know, of course, we had the interception right, we talked about the other day. I mean, hey, he's open. He just he's, Stafford's got to throw it out there. Sony Michelle, random run to the right. You know, just fumbles back up, back up against their own territory. You know, they miss a field goal. Uh, Cooper Cup like stumbles out of a break. That's going to be a, a walk-in touchdown. Uh, Matthew Stafford misses a guy that I would say if he throws the ball a hundred times on a five-yard out route at the goal line, he throws it on the money for a touchdown. He misses that a little bit. So I didn't come away going, oh, man, there's real concerns with the Rams. Now, their defense, it wasn't the best showing, certainly. But then, like, the, the flip side to that, Mike, just to, to wrap it up here, is the Seahawks won a game that, yeah, impressive, like that they went into San Francisco and did it, but I don't have that same feeling. Like, I had a feeling of there's, con- there's still issues to me with the Seattle team. Yeah, they won the game, but, man, they got their butts whooped for a long period of time. And where I mean butts whooped, I don't mean, like, self-inflicted. I mean the 49ers were marching up and down the field and doing whatever they wanted against them. And I think, I guess, so I I still got questions more about the Seahawks than I do Rams, just to kind of sum up my long answer there, buddy. And as to the Rams offense, one thing to keep in mind, and this bubbled up a little bit, when Robert Woods scored a touchdown late against the Cardinals, frustration, kind of cast the ball aside. Sean McVay was asked about it earlier in the week. He said he he has to get Woods more opportunities. I'm going to be watching the body language of Robert Woods tonight, one of the team captains. Cooper Cup is getting the vast majority yeah. of the targets in that offense. And, you know, you throw it to the open guy, but surely Cup isn't getting that wide open in comparison to Woods. And as you know, Chris, and we've talked about this before, there are ways to design plays to get the ball to a certain guy. Yeah, that's one right there. They they may need to design some plays or pick some plays out of the Rolodex that can get the ball to Robert Woods and just spread it around a little bit more. Because it really – and, okay, Cup has been phenomenal – but, uh, you know, you, you got you to keep your guys happy, especially coming off of a loss. If you're winning your games, no one's going to say boo. But they, they, that's going to be something I watch very closely tonight when the Rams have the ball. Are they spreading around a little bit more, or is it going to continue to be heavy to Cooper Cup? Who, who again, is, is spectacular, yeah. but you got other guys on the team. No, yeah, got other guys on the team. And, you know, what, what, you know, Robert Woods is a really good football player. I'm a big Robert Woods fan. 
he can do a lot of the things that Cooper Cup does. You know, it really, in my opinion, almost at the same level, maybe a little less than. But uh, I, I will say, Mike, I, I kind of agree with you. I think they got to find a way. You know, right now, you know, through four weeks, whenever there's a gotta have, mo- gotta have it moment, the play, like you're talking about, to your point, is designed for Cooper Cup. He's the guy that's the first read, and not that it goes there every time, but. It goes there a lot in big moments, and a lot of those plays we just showed there and those highlights, you know, they, they exemplify the point. They're they're they are plays where Cooper Cup gets the advantage of the pick play, or Cooper Cup, as the first highlight we showed, was on the backside blocking, and then the bootleg came out, and now he gets to be the first guy and the first read of that. Uh, to me, you know, when you got that much talent at the receiver position, and one of the things I think that's great about the Rams is, you know. They all can do a little bit of everything. Van Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods are all the same guy to me a little bit. Yeah, you know, a little bit better, worse, whatever. But they all can, you know, run routes, read coverages, and you can use them all in different roles within that. And I think that, you know, you can kind of pin the tail on the donkey right now about, oh, it's a big situation. They're going to do something for Cooper Cup, and Arizona played that angle last week, and I do think that's probably part of the reason they stumbled a little bit on offense as well. Well, and that's why they have to pivot to some of the other guys, yeah. whether it is no Van Jefferson or Robert Woods, right. because when defenses start taking away the thing that you lean on in those key moments, that's when you better be ready to do something else. The running game's been an issue for the Rams, too, just because they lost Cam Akers before training camp even started. Daryl Henderson's been banged up, although he played last week and I think had almost 90 yards rushing. Yeah, I think he, he did. did better 14 than, for 89. than he was expected to yeah. do. So uh, th- th- that needs to be a key part of this as well, to have balance in your offense. And, and, and you're right, the Seahawks did get outplayed by the 49ers, but all that matters is outscoring the That's 49ers, right. which is what the Seahawks were able to do. And how about this? Russell Wilson, 9-1 and one on Thursday night football. At a certain point, that is skewed so far one way that something's going on. Short week, getting it together, getting it right. Remember last year, they got the Cardinals right after the Hale-Murray game when the Cardinals were the hot thing in the NFL. And, right. man, here we go. Cardinals are for real, and the Seahawks took care of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you know, Russell is – He's amazing in prime time and most of the time amazing in clutch football games. Uh, I, I would think that, you know, to your point, there's something there with Pete Carroll and finding the right formula for, you know, short week games. The one thing I'll say about Seattle is, you know, I, I, I don't think like a whole lot changes for them as compared to maybe other teams. Seattle's a little bit of like, this is what we do. You know, there's there's not like, yeah, there's a few game plan shots down the football field, but you know, I think that plays into her advantage a little bit like uh, as compared to maybe like McVay, the mad scientist who's going, ah, man, I wish I had two or three extra days. I'd be able to carve this team up a little bit more if you just gave me a little more time and I could dive into this a, a hair more. So, uh, I, I, you know, that's my base thought of like off of that reasoning. But, hey, hey at the end of the day, you know, what you're talking about and what you said about the 49ers and, and that game, you let Russell Wilson hang around and it's a one score game going into the fourth quarter, like eight, 95 out of 100 times, Russell Wilson's going to win the game. He's going to make a few plays where he's just better than everybody else on the field. And that's what's scary about playing the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, that's what's going to be fun about tonight. The, the Rams are a really good football team. I do think McVay got away from the run game a little bit last week, early on when they fell down. 
Um, and and the, the Rams defense, you know, kind of got, you know, moved the ball on consistently last week. But it's a different game here in two that McVay and Raheem Morris, they know this offense. It's Shane Waldron. It's what McVay taught Shane Waldron. And I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out, too. Uh, and I do think that's more of an advantage for the Rams than, than the Seahawks at this point. And even though the Seahawks are 2-2 two and two in contrast with last year when they started 4-0, and oh, Russell Wilson leads the league in passer rating right now, 129.9. That is the complicated traditional formula with a maximum number of 158.3. Used to be 90 was good. More recent years, 100 is good. 129.9 is pretty damn good. That's a combination of your completion percentage, your yards per attempt, your touchdown percentage based upon total attempts, and your interception percentage. Those are the four categories that go into that weird, very specific number. But uh, Wilson's playing well. Wilson's playing very well. And you're right. If you let him hang around, especially in prime time, he's going to find a way to take it from you. And they need this one because they are 2-2. Two and two. Falling to two and three in that division with the Cardinals at four and zero, oh, that is going to be a tough one to climb out of if that's where the Seahawks find themselves after the game tonight. A hundred percent, really tough. Um, I think it's a tough matchup for them. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm I'm picking the Rams to win the football game. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, hold the secret in any longer. All right, because I, you know, again, Seattle. Uh, I think the Rams are the more talented football team. I think they're, you know, better coached on both sides of the ball as far as they got a more creative offense and their defense, of course, I think is more talented and, and, and better coached on that side of the ball as well. And, and that's where, you know, I, I do look at it. The Seahawks, I always respect their intensity, the way they fight. I mean, they bring it every week. That's the one thing that's amazing about Pete Carroll and company. But I, I do look at it and go – you know, they, they, I think they're going to have a hard time matching up against the Rams offense. I do. The Rams can protect the passer pretty good. You know, w when they want to run the ball, they run it effective enough. And then with the weapons on the outside and what Stafford can do, and it is a different offensive attack than what the Rams have been the last few years, they're playing through more through Stafford. We're not seeing as much as, you know, zone, fake the speed sweep, speed sweep, fake the zones, fake the speed sweep, fake the zone, screenplay. We're not seeing that. So it's a different team altogether that's coming into town. And for Seattle, they're a team that can't rush the passer with the front four, so they have to blitz. And you've heard me say this before. And they're not great in coverage in the back end. They matched up better with the 49ers, I think, than they do the Rams. And that's where I'm excited to see how this kind of plays out tonight. Did you pick the Seahawks or the 49ers on Sunday? I picked mm -hmm. I did pick the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I did. Did you pick the Cardinals or the Rams on Sunday? I picked mm -hmm. the Rams too. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I picked the Rams, but I also did pick the Seahawks, so I can only half gloat about <laughs> that one. Our picks for all games coming up in the Mega Picks joint podcast, which will be streamed on Peacock at 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday and also available as the Chris Sims Unbutton podcast with clips with our picks for every game embedded throughout the profootballtalk.com website throughout the weekend. And uh, we'll, we'll see how we both did this weekend. Oh, I didn't we have a good week. Mega I know that last cast later on. I think I did better than I have, which is not saying much because I have not done well so far this year. We'll, we'll talk more about that 
Seahawks-Rams game coming up later with some prop bets. For now, though, let's pivot to other NFL news from Wednesday. And how about this? Jalen Smith, released by the Dallas Cowboys, quickly finding a landing spot with a team that we had flagged yesterday as a potential suitor for Stephon Gilmore. Instead, the Packers reportedly finalizing a deal for linebacker Jalen Smith. Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers, was at Notre Dame when Jalen Smith was there, so there's familiarity. Jalen Smith started every game for the Cowboys from 2018 through 2020, and he was a pro bowler in 2019. What do you think of the Packers bringing in Jalen Smith? Well, you know my thoughts about a little bit yesterday. I mean, there, 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 there's, there's issues with Jalen Smith's game. I mean, it, it, you know, space, coverage, He's less than, and I and I don't I don't mean that to be disrespectful, but I I understand it from where the Packers need it, and this this is where they need it. The Packers right now, they they only have one true middle linebacker on their football team, you know, a true middle linebacker that yeah okay he is good in coverage and he can be a little bit of a thumper in the run game, and that's Devondre Devondre Campbell, but you know Oren Burks he's a little bit more of an athletic situational type middle linebacker and they play him on the edge a little bit and do different things so he's not traditional middle linebacker Mike you know they have a kid uh number 44 Ty Summers who you know in in my opinion just hasn't played well when he's been in there and I would think that's the reason they're going wait we, we only got like one guy that we feel comfortable like if the fullback's coming at us and they're running weak side iso that like can take on a fullback and close the gap and do that and play a physical brand of football. And that's where, listen, Jalen Smith can still do that. The dude's got muscles coming out of his ears. I mean, he's jacked, and he will bring it. So from that standpoint, if you're playing, let's say, the Bucks and Leonard Fournette like last year, or they got to play Dallas in the, in the, the playoffs, that's where Jalen Smith could come in handy because he will be able to fill some holes and, you know, knock some people back and make tackles that way. And when it's in front of him, he's good. If he's got to go side to side or cover, Mike, it's an issue. Well, and it's all relative to what you have. The yes. Cowboys got rid of him because they have an embarrassment sure. of riches at the linebacker position now, and they didn't want to get stuck with a $9.2 million base salary for next year if Smith gets an injury this year that he isn't cleared from in time for that money to fully vest. So there was a clear business decision Definitely. to that move. And if you're a team that has needs at inside linebacker, then he is a guy to consider. And I think financially it doesn't matter because the Cowboys are paying him his salary for the year, whatever he gets from the Packers is an offset. So he's playing for free right? if he goes to Green Bay or anywhere else. So he could take the minimum for the rest of the year from the Packers, get the difference from the Cowboys, and he gets to go reestablish himself somewhere and maybe work toward laying the foundation to get someone to sign him for 2022, whether it's the Packers or someone else. Yeah. But the, 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 guy, the guy isn't done um, I, you know, some folks around the league kind of turn up their nose at Jalen Smith based upon the recent film. Well, but yeah, I, you know, if he's better than what you already have, then he's good enough. You know, it's one thing for a team that is set at linebacker to say, ah, this guy's not very good. No, he's not very good relative to what you have, but maybe for the Packers, he's exactly what they need right now, because maybe that's an area of weakness on their defense. A hundred percent. It is. It's an area of weakness. There's no doubt. I think you explained it right. You know, hey, the league is about situational football, and of course the league is more passing league than ever before in a lot of ways. 
So that's where I think, you know, you could talk to league executives or GMs or coaches and they'd turn their nose up because they'd go, man, well, we could play a team that's got, you know, a two tight end set, but they could split these guys out at wide receiver. And now he's really compromised. And I think that's what would worry a lot of teams with Jalen Smith. Again, it goes back to the coverage, the space thing. But, like, if you go back to, like, the last highlight or two we showed, guys, and we could show that again, hey, when the game's in front of him and he can throw, I mean, and he can just come downhill and see a gap and he's got to take on a blocker or make a tackle, that's where he has value. And, then you know, you're in a division in the NFC North where, yeah, Dalvin Cook and company are coming. So that's downhill running, right? So that's where he's going to fit in real nicely. And then, then the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields, what we saw last week, I think that's going to be their style of play as we continue to go forward. So you worry about that. And then, of course, Green Bay values themselves as a Super Bowl team. And you look at, hey, the 49ers, will they be in the mix? Some of the other good teams in the NFC who can run the ball, like we talked about Dallas, Tampa overpowered them last year. I think that's where he could kind of come in handy uh, is those situations when it comes to you know, what we would say, big boy football. Put your big boy pads on. You got to hit somebody. He can still do that. Now, the Packers were a team, as we said earlier, that we had flagged and others had flagged as a potential candidate for Stephon Gilmore, who, what a shock. The Patriots, yet again, put out the word that they're releasing a player, and that's how it was phrased yesterday, right around now, out of the blue, breaking news. Oh, hey, Stephon Gilmore is being released by the Patriots. Oh, wait, no, he's not. The Patriots are simply putting it out there so that someone will make a phone call and offer something for the services of Stephon Gilmore. The Panthers ended up getting Gilmore for a sixth-round pick in 2023. Here are General Manager Scott Fitterer and Head Coach Matt Rule of the Carolina Panthers on the decision to bring Stephon Gilmore back to the Carolinas. Really the quality of the person that we're bringing in. He's a local guy, you know, defensive player of the year just a couple years ago. He'll be a great veteran presence for the young guys we have, JC and CJ and Keith. You know, you couple him with with Dante, and those are good mentors for that group. Dante has grown up a lot and taken on a leadership role. And just the stronger we are as a group on the back end, the better we'll be. I just think as many good players as we can bring around here and tremendous professionals, you know, um, we're going to do it. And... um, this was just, you know, one of those things that's, that's too good to pass up. I mean, he's too, too good of a player. He's from here. Um, and uh, I, I think when you find out about who he is football character-wise as well, I mean, it just, just adds to the core of what we are. So um, we have a great group of guys on defense, you know. I mean, um, you know, so I think it just adds to that. Hey, and look, it shows the Panthers are ready to go. They're ready to try to win. And it also, Chris, it kept Tommy from bringing Stephon to Tampa Bay. Because if Stephon Gilmore becomes a free agent, you know Brady's going to put on the hard sell and try to get him down there. They are ravaged by injuries in the secondary to the point where they had to call Richard Sherman and plug him into the starting lineup with three days of practice. They'd have been all over Stephon Gilmore. So part of the reason why you're giving up that sixth-round pick in 2023 is to keep Stephon Gilmore off of the Buccaneers. Whatever he does for the Panthers, hey, it's fine because he's not doing anything for the Buccaneers. And that surely was one of the motivating factors for the Panthers to get involved and keep Gilmore from becoming a free agent and keep him from making a beeline to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, we, we brought up the Panthers yesterday as one of the teams, the suitors. 
You know, I thought they would be in play for this. I did. I, I didn't think the trade would go down like that. I, that was that was awesome. I, I, the first thing I want to just say is, I don't know. What, what, what was everybody else doing? Why did nobody else want to give up a fifth-round pick? I, I, I mean, if you're a team in the Super Bowl window, and, you know, I think the Panthers, they, they look at themselves, I think, as like a, a legit NFC contender. And I, I agree. I think they are. I really do. And I think they probably came away from that Dallas game last week going, wait, you know, we need one more cover guy if we got to play some teams like them or the Rams or the Cardinals or, of course, the Bucks to know, like, wait, you know, these teams can run the ball and we can't put too many eggs into that basket. So we need some guys that could just play lockdown man to man. So it makes sense from that standpoint. It really does. I just don't understand why more people didn't get involved. I'm, I'm shocked by that. I really well, am. Albert Breer of SI reported yesterday that on Monday, the Patriots discreetly contacted teams they can trust, meaning teams that aren't going to leak to people like us. Right. Hey, hey, they're, they're, you know what? They're trying to they're trying to trade Stephon Gilmore. It's something for you to look into. Yeah. They called us trying to trade him. And what they found was they couldn't get the two different factors satisfied how much the Patriots wanted which really wasn't much at the end of the day but Gilmore's contractual desires and I think what ultimately happened unless they traded him to Carolina against his wishes I think what ultimately happened is Gilmore and his agent realized no one's giving Stefan Gilmore what he wants now so he's going to have to play for now, under the terms of the contract that he had signed with the Patriots right. years ago. Right. And Scott Fitter, the GM of the Panthers, said yesterday, we're open to extending it, but he goes home. He's from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Yeah. The Panthers have a training facility in Rock Hill, South Carolina, or they're building one. I don't know if it's done or not yet. I guess I should know that, but I don't. Well, if I know it, I've forgotten it. How, do, how dare you? But it's just Charlotte's right there. Charlotte's right on the other side of the border. Yeah. He grew up in Rock Hill. Right. So if I'm going to go anywhere for the terms of the contract I don't like, take me home. Let's go. And, uh, and then we see what happens. And if nothing else, he becomes a free agent in March, and he can go wherever he wants after that. So I think the Panthers may have been the only team that he would have been happy to go play for under the terms of his current deal. And he's willing to take the leap of faith that once he starts playing again, They'll, they'll like what they see, yeah, and they'll do something about getting him signed long-term. And and also, because he was traded, he's still on the pup list, isn't eligible to return until after week six. If he'd been cut, he could have played right away. Right. But since he was traded, he's still subject to the terms of the pup list. So you won't see him play this weekend. You won't see him play the following weekend against the Vikings. He's eligible to return to practice after that. Yeah, that's right. In a lot of ways, I, that's probably a gift. It really is. You know, get him in shape. Get him, learn, you know, get him to learn the offense. Uh, make sure he's ready to go instead of just, you know, throwing him out there into the fire. Hey, we traded for a guy. Here he goes. Oh, we pulled his hamstring. I mean, that story happens all the time. So uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. I have the ultimate respect for the Panthers and what they do. I really do. You know, I, I think Matt Rule is a hell of a coach. I think their front office has been aggressive and made a lot of right moves all offseason into this regular season so far. I mean, again, I thought one of the under-the-radar better trades last week was C.J. Was C.J. Henderson. I do. You know, I, I obviously he was in the doghouse with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there's talent there. And, uh, you know, I think when you take that and then you look at, you know, I, I'll, I'll echo a little bit what, what uh, Scott Fitterer said there 
or maybe it was Matt Rule. It is a young group still, too. So now you got Gilmore there. He's going to be able to, you know, teach. He's going to be able to teach a, a Dante Jackson like they talked about and J.C. Horn and, and of course, C.J. Henderson. Teach them how to be pros. And they already got A.J. Bouye there, who's, of course, been been there, done that, too. And uh, I, I just think it was a needed move for them, at least in their eyes, because I think they view themselves as a kind of a, a sleeper Super Bowl team. I do. And uh, it makes sense with the teams that they're going to have to face off uh, in the NFC to, to get in the playoffs or even to win their own division, which is probably the first goal they're talking about. They know they got to match up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Gilmore's going to go a long way to helping that out. By the way, for those of you out there wondering, as I was, the Panthers' new headquarters and practice facility in Rock Hill has a targeted opening date of 2023. Ah, so Stephon Gilmore, I have to stick around for a while to say that I go to work every day in my hometown, at least between Monday and Saturday. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. We've got okay. a lot more to get to today. And uh, when we return... Matt Nagy, coach of the Bears. He may not have changed his clothes from Monday to Wednesday, but he's definitely changed his mind about his starting quarterback. Good. We'll tell you all about that when PFT Live continues right after. Here we go, Justin Fields. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Told you the last couple of weeks we've had some some good conversations internally. Um, it's, it's helped us in the last couple of weeks. Continuing that process this week, it's uh, it's it's led to making the decision to move with Justin as a starter. Parents were actually at my house last night. I told them, and um, they wanted to go out to celebrate. And I told them, nah, I'm, I'm cool because um, I'm kind of winning this weekend. So um, I mean, there's nothing. I mean, of course, there's you know some some reason to celebrate, but. Um, you know, I'm not um, just going to be complacent with where I'm at. I'm, I'm going to continue to grow, continue to get better, and um, just, just try to work hard each and every day to, you know, get, get wins on, on Sundays. So. You didn't go out without you? 
They went out without me. Yeah, so. <laughs> Where'd they go? Home. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they went last night, but yeah, they they def they went out without me last Did night. Did you celebrate by were you just home alone? I was just home, yeah, with with my dog Uno watching film last night. So uh, that's that's all I was doing. Justin Fields making the mature, responsible decision now that he's named the full-time starter for the Chicago Bears. A surprising move given the extent to which Matt Nagy had been insisting throughout all of training camp, the preseason, and the regular season that Andy Dalton is still the guy. And he had said Andy Dalton will be, not could be, not maybe, not might be, will be the starter again when healthy. That's out the window now. Oh, you can't lose your job if you're injured. Remember that cliche from years gone by? That is a load of crap. (laughs) If the replacement comes in and does better than you, you are on the bench. That is how it works. And as Fields was explaining his decision to stay home when his parents wanted to go out and celebrate, the first thing that came to mind to me was seven years ago, and yes, my God, it's been seven years, when Johnny Manziel got his opportunity to start, and it was Tuesday night, off day, he didn't stay home and study. Shocker. He went to go watch the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, yeah. So And who knows what So else? Justin Fields <laughs> already checks the box of the kid gets it. So congratulations, Justin Fields, and now we'll see what he does going forward. He does get it. Uh, he, he's impressed me from the day he's gotten there, the way he's handled himself, the way he handles himself in every interview session. I mean, he's, he's phenomenal that way. You know, I mean, going back to training camp, sticking up for Andy Dalton during preseason because he got booed. Uh, I, I, I really am. I'm like, he's he's made me with his actions make makes me root for him even more. You know, do I have some questions about his game still? Yeah, okay, but we'll see going forward. All I know is he played really damn good last week, and the st- like, Mike, we've been talking about this. This, I mean, here I broke some of these plays down on my podcast yesterday, but. The style of play that they played last week with Justin Fields is the best way the Chicago Bears can play football. It's how they're built to play, right? And th- and what I mean by that is run the ball, bootlegs, right? Play action pass. Almost every one of his big completions in the game, as you could see here, is a play action pass. And why is that? Because they were dedicated to the run, right? So to me, this is how they should play. It should be almost like Cleveland Browns, Minnesota Vikings type football with a splash of Lamar Jackson type runs, which which they did last week. But David Montgomery was in the Wildcat. The one thing I look at at the Bears, Mike, and go like their old line, like you know, people hate on it a lot. We all got to stop hating on it. their old line. They can move people in the run game. It's a pretty good group. Center Mustafer, pretty good. Cody Whitehair, left guard, pretty good. James Daniels, right guard, pretty good. Jermaine Affetti, right tackle, pretty good. And then Jason Peters, yeah, he's the aging. We'll see maybe the weak link, but hopefully he can like keep it together. But when they play that style of football coupled with their defense, it not only makes sense for Justin Fields, it makes the game a little easier for him. I think it plays to the strengths of their football team. And I think this is the best move, and you know me, this is what I've been pounding for at the table or pounded the table for for, for a long time. Well, and the running game is critical here as well because yeah. David Montgomery had 106 yards and two touchdowns against the Lions on Sunday. He's out with a knee injury. Damian yeah. Williams, one of the 
unheralded stars of Super Bowl 54 gets bumped up. He opted out for all of last year. He had 55 yards and a touchdown on eight carries on Sunday. So next man up, and they still need to make that offense go through the run game. Justin Fields, and it sounds like we're on the same page with this, he's not yet at the point where you run the offense through him the way you do with a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes. Right. He may get there sooner rather than later. For now, though, he's just the guy who is in charge of an offense that should be run-based, where you can make the play-action work off of it, roll him out, use his mobility selectively, lean on your defense. And, you know, there's been this sky-is-falling mindset with the Bears. They're 2-2. and They got the same record as the Seahawks. They're in the thick of things in the NFC. They're in second place all alone in the NFC North, one game behind the Packers, and they haven't played them yet. So, I... This, this, uh, even though it doesn't feel like they intended it at all, right? This is setting up in a pretty useful and potentially fascinating way for the Bears this year. I I agree. You know, I think you explained it the right way, a hundred percent. You know, yeah. I don't. Do I think he's going to be able to be in the shotgun and dice people up for eight yards, ten yards, twelve yards, tight window throws over the middle? No, you know, I'm not sure he can do that yet. But one thing I do know is, first off, when you run play action pass, and the other thing they do is that when he does drop back to pass, they throw the ball outside the numbers. So there's a little bit more room for error there as long as you've got the arm strength to do it. You're not thrown into tight windows with linebackers and safeties and hands all over the place to where if you are off target a little bit, you know, that's the ball gets intercepted or, or somebody tips it and it gets intercepted. If they stay to the formula like how you explained it, and you said it, Damian Williams can still go. He's got still two and a half rockets up his butt. And then the kid they got behind him, Khalil Herbert, is not a bad little player too. And then you couple that with two receivers who, when they have single coverage, they can win almost every time. Mooney's a superstar. He can fly. He can run by anybody in football. He's like Deshaun Jackson, but maybe even with like better route running, overall route running skills. And then, of course, Allen Robinson on that side. That's where I look at them and go, yeah, there, there is something there if they can continue to stay and play this style of football, right? Bill Lazor called the offense last week. I thought there was more of an identity and rhyme and reason to why plays were being called. And you said it. They're 2-2. Two and two, And I think with the way, reason we poo-poo them for 2-2 two and two is because their two wins were ugly. I mean, they were ugly. And then the two losses were ugly, too. So it's like you're not sure what they are, but I think this is the right path, and I'm kind of excited to see what happens here with Justin Fields going forward. Darnell Mooney was a fifth-round pick in 2020. He had five catches for 125 yards on Sunday, and he caught that nice kind of over-the-shoulder dime that Fields dropped in that we showed earlier down near the goal line. So he can play. He can. The Bears are – for all the attention and scrutiny they've gotten, right? It, it's amazing how there is a disconnect between the quality of the team because the criticism has been so crippling and stifling that it just makes you feel like the Bears stink, and they don't. They're in the mix. And now that they've finally pivoted to fields, we'll see where they go from here. So even though Matt Nagy changed quarterbacks from Monday to Wednesday, one thing we noticed yesterday on PFTPM, he did not change hoodies, and I got no problem with that. <laughs> I may or may not have been spotted in the same hoodie on consecutive days or twice in three days, and maybe he's got two of them. 
Maybe he has two Monsters of the Midway hoodies. But you know what? That's dedication. That's a guy who doesn't leave his team and let them fly home after a Thursday night game. Second shot you've taken today. Second shot. And he's grinding. (laughs) Oh, I got more. I got a lot more. This is a guy who is grinding so hard in the right way that he is... Uh, not even aware that he's still wearing the same clothes. He possibly <laughs> hasn't even left the facility since Monday, Urban. That's what you got to do if you're an NFL head coach. You don't take time off. You are always on top of it to the point where you don't even have time to think. Did I just wear this the other day? You just put it on. My approach to wardrobe at this stage of my life, whatever's cleanest, whatever's closest, and between the two, closest wins <laughs> great that's good to know yes uh thank you for that you'll uh, have to smell me <laughs> yeah We're i know i don't place. i was thinking about your wife i was going damn it's just another another pelt on the wall for her to go yeah i mean i'm married to this guy uh but no joe like in all seriousness uh coaches as you you explained it right they grind like no other and i certainly don't you know doubt the work ethic of matt nagy and that coaching staff and really you know, my also my experience, you know, if you ever went into the coach's locker room and the head coach, right, I, I bet you he has 10 of those hoodies in like three different colors. So it's just walk in the morning, the laundry's done, and it's just, okay, what bare Nike gear do I want to put on today and, and throw go out there with? So I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's been washed and it's just one of his many sweatshirts that look like that. <laughs> It really is amazing though. I've been to a few team facilities and you've got the coach's office and then you've got in most of them, the little side room in the back, which is kind of like a pathetic solo dorm room, which has all that crap in an open closet and a bed. And, and, you know, we, we don't talk about this as much as I think we used to in the media. I don't know why, but these guys really are crazy. They will sleep in the facility they will they will go nonstop uh, when they're getting ready for a game. And that's what makes this Urban Meyer stuff all the more glaring. We'll be talking more about that, obviously, coming up later in the program. Let's go ahead and take another break. We're way ahead Whoa, of schedule today I know. for You're, a change. Wow. That just gives us plenty of time to talk about other things that we have on the agenda for today. But when we return, we're going to play a game of take your pick. Which teams are better than the record says? Which teams are worse? We'll look at that when PFT Live continues right after this i don't want to 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 dwell too much on the physical things the ailments things that are happening because it sounds like an excuse and i'm not going to make that um i need to be better i need to fight through and figure out how to make better decisions how to make better throws how to um you know be a better football player Uh, and that's why i just said i'm not going to quit i'm going to keep doing that i'm not giving up on this season no one in this building is Uh, It's still early, and there's still a lot of fight left in us. Look, that's Ben Roethlisberger from Wednesday, and I would not expect him to say anything other than what he said. I don't expect him to stand up there and say, you know what, (laughs) I've been watching the film, and I've come to a conclusion. (laughs) I'm 39, and it's starting to show. Right. And that son of a you know what Tom Brady playing into his forties has the rest of us thinking that we can do it too. And I've come to the very difficult conclusion that I can't goodbye. I'm out of here. <laughs> He's not going to do that, but that's what he should do. He should admit it. 
Chris, you're right on the money. Every time I see the highlights of Ben Roethlisberger now, it is agonizing. It is excruciating because we remember how he used to be. And we see the same guy, the same look, the same build, the same everything, the same uniform. Usually it's in a different uniform when you say, man, that guy's really falling off. It's hard to process it, but he's really falling off. And I don't care how much work he's putting into it now. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak because the flesh is old and broken and battered, and it's not getting any better the more games they play this year. No, it's not. It's not going to get better. I think the only hope is kind of what we've discussed a little bit is just the fact that he can be real with himself and realize where he is at this point of his career. And But he isn't. He I know. Doesn't. It's shocking. I understand. You're right. He isn't. To this point, he's not. It's 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 a few a handful of plays every week where you just go, "What? you're not in reality. You can't do that anymore. What are you doing? You can't hold the ball up in the air and dance around the pocket like anymore. That's over. And, you know, those mistakes have cost them in just about every game so far. And again, I, I do think they're a team that they, if they just play the right way on the offense, they could win some of these games and win them ugly. Their defense is still damn good. I don't care what the stats say. The reason the stats aren't great for the Pittsburgh defense is because the offense is off the field every three plays. So it's just hard. Eventually, the dam is going to break. But, I mean, these plays right here, and again, a majority of them, I want to go, people are open. I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know what he's reading. Uh, The protection's not that bad. Um, And that's where I'm really confused by it. There's just a, a lack of mental awareness of what's going on downfield and what's going on around him right now that I think shocks me more than anything. That one play that we show against the Packers where he does the pump with confidence and then all of a sudden is devoured. I wonder what his brain yeah. is processing in that moment because he does that pump like, yeah, I've done this a thousand times. Here we go. I'm going to do that pump and now I'm going to let it go. And he barely finishes the pump and he's just dragged down And there's just something about when you look at those one after another, there's something about the way he moves. Exactly. For someone who has watched football for 50 years, you look at it and you say, it it's let's watch these. Look, there's just there's that pump and it's like he just gets dragged down. There's no fight in that. There's no ability in that to even prevent it from happening. I think that's what is striking to me. I'm trying to articulate this. Yeah, I know. It's hard. He does not have the ability to fight these things off like he always did. Watch right. this. Like there's there's nothing there once they get their hands on him. It's just a matter of dragging down a sack of flour. That's what, And that is not what he was for 17 seasons, and I think that's what's so glaring. No, I, I think so. I think it is, and I think it's part of the reason why, you know, again, you know, yeah, he is more beat up than a Tom Brady is at 44 years old. You know, yes, he played a brand of football that was certainly more physical, and, you know, as you've stated many times, and to me this will always be one of the under-the-radar great things about Big Ben – I mean, they were going to Super Bowls and deep into the AFC playoffs with, like, the worst offensive line in football. So, of course, he's beat up. He didn't have the protection some of the, you know, Brady had throughout his career. He did not. And, you know, he's paying the piper now because of that. But, yeah, I I think between what you're explaining, Mike, and then just the number of plays where I go, I know this play. I've been taught this play. Teams run this play every week. And I look at the coverage and I go, I know what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to read. And you go, 
I, I don't know what he's looking at. I don't know what he's doing. And I think that's more shocking to me than anything. It's just I go, I, I don't, where, what, what was his thought process here? He, he should be looking over here and he's looking over here. Or he's looked at one guy and then he just doesn't get off him. And you go, wait, two and three are open. Get off him. Um, then he dances around the pocket and there's a check down or a short throw open. And, you know, he, he doesn't get the ball out of his hands because I, I, I think he's being greedy and wants more. And that's where it just, I go back to the unrealistic part of his game right now. And it's a, it's a little weird, certainly. There's a very basic truth about sports. And this starts at a young age. Kids who gravitate to, towards certain sports, they love that sport. Why do they love that sport? Because they're good at it. It's easy to love something that you're good at. It's a lot harder to love something that you're not good at. And Ben Roethlisberger surely has loved football all of his life. I can't see how he loves the experience right now. What is it that is driving him every Sunday when right. he knows that at the end of the day, there's going to be highlights or lowlights like that. He's going to go through those moments where his brain is thinking, this isn't the way it used to be, or oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, which is probably what is actually going through his brain. He gets <laughs> the be. ball, and it's like, oh, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, and then it's the sack of flour that gets dragged to the ground. And I, look, the guy's one of the all-time greats. He's a Hall of Famer. But this is a, a warning to all these other guys who are creeping deeper into their 30s who have this vision of Tom Brady at 44, it's not necessarily transferable to you. Now, it could be Brady's at one extreme and Roethlisberger's at the other, and guys like Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and you got guys who are, who are way younger than 45 saying, I want to play until I'm 45. Where are you going to land on that spectrum? Yeah. Right. But I think we're, we're seeing a pretty clear other end of the aging quarterback range here. We've got Brady still kicking ass at 44, and we got Roethlisberger getting his ass kicked regularly at 39. And it's, it's a cautionary tale for any of these guys who think that just because I can do it at 32, I can do it at 33, I can do it at 34, I can do it at 39, I can do it at 42, there's a point where you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Father time is undefeated. Now, Tom Brady continues to stave him off. Yeah, he does. But, 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 but Ben, and I still, I still stand by my prediction that it's going to be injured reserve and never to be heard from again. And maybe that's the right thing to do. And, uh, because uh, I think that at a certain point it diminishes your legacy if you keep playing in these games and it's a clear reminder that you're not what you used to be. Yeah, I, I hear you. I do think if it continues to stay ugly the way it is that I, I'm, I'm with you. you. You definitely were the first person I heard say it, and I think you're right. Uh, that, yes, like the clock, I got to think the clock's ticking there in Pittsburgh a little bit, that it, it's now officially started like where we're going, wait, we got, we got to start evaluating it for what it is. Are we being fair to our football team? Is this even right? by what we're doing right now because uh, like I said I mean you, you you can you can the biggest mistakes and all three losses are big Ben Roethlisberger they're all Ben Roethlisberger related and you, you could make the argument that if you eliminate some of his mistakes there that they could have won all three of these games or certainly been a position late in the game to win the game which they were not because of some of the mistakes he made so be interested to see where it goes, definitely. I mean, the, the last thing I'll say, Mike, is just it is about what you put in the bank. It's what you put in the bank. You know, one, okay, the first thing, yeah, are you doing, you know, keeping yourself healthy, eating right, training right in the offseason, right? That all, that all is going to add up once you get to 40 years old. And then I also think, of course, 
you know, the team and how the style of football you played your career. And, you know, we talked about Brady didn't have to play close to the edge. You know, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have had to play a little closer to the edge for their teams to win. And that's where, you know, players like that are a little bit more at a disadvantage, I think, for the long term as far as playing into their, their 40s. It's just unfortunate that the Steelers have to go through this and that Roethlisberger has to go through this because it was all avoidable. But I will say this. Every time, in my experience, and I've been in and around Pittsburgh almost all of my life, anytime the Steelers get written off, that is when they become dangerous. A couple of years ago, when Roethlisberger yeah. suffered the elbow injury week two against the Seahawks, who were actually coming back to town in a few weeks for a Sunday night game, so there may be shades of that for Big Ben. But we wrote him off after that, and they were competitive. And that's a testament to Mike Tomlin's ability to get the most out of whatever he has. The problem this year is they just may not be able to do it. But I think they thrive on being doubted. Hey, I thought for a while on Sunday they were going to beat the Packers. Why? Because they were being doubted. Oh, the Packers are going to win this one easily. And it was 7 nothing early on, and they yeah. had that blocked field goal return for a touchdown with another bad call where no one was offside. Joe Hayden wasn't offside, they but he looked it like he was offside. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it timed it too perfect, right. so you're offside, even yeah. though you're not. That could have changed everything in that game. So, uh, the, the, And I, hey, to the extent that we're tipping our picks for the Mega Picks podcast, I think they're going to beat the Broncos this weekend. I think it sets up for the Steelers to find a way to do it. They're 0-2 at home. This is a franchise that does not go 0-3 at home. And if they do, if they do lose to the Broncos on Sunday – then, you know, Mike Tomlin said it's not time to pa press the panic button last week. It's time to mash on it with both hands and both feet if they lose to the Broncos at home this weekend, Chris. Yeah, I, I hear you there. And, Mike, uh, the one thing I want to uh, just echo with the, what a, a great point I think you made, like two years ago, two years ago, like how they played there. They won games the way you're talking about where it was just like, hey, offense, don't screw it up. Just keep us close. And the defense and the special teams, and we'll make some plays in offense. If you could just manage the game and, you know, Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, if you can just make one or two plays, we'll have a chance to win it. And, I, you know, I don't look at them any differently that way. And I think that's what you're explaining and what we're trying to say about Pittsburgh right now. But, yeah, but ben, won't, ben won't change. No, he won't He right won't now. become a game manager. Yeah. That's basically what he has to do. Yeah. That's what Ron Rivera said last week about Taylor Heineke, need him to be more of a game manager and not a gunslinger. Yes. Ben Roethlisberger is a guy who is an aging gunslinger who, if he wants to continue to play, needs to accept that he has to be a game manager. And I don't think he's willing or able to process that, to do that. And that's that's the problem right now. And you were on that a few weeks ago, that he's got to completely change the way he plays for the Steelers to be as successful as they can be. Because it's not the big Ben of old that's going to win games. No. It is a guy who hands off, a guy who throws the ball quickly, a guy who doesn't try to extend plays because he can't. And, uh, I, 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 again, week in, week out, with a, another game and another game in practice, you're caught up in the middle of it. I think it's going to be too hard for him to step away from it and have that critical self-evaluation and say, you know what, if I want to keep playing this game, I have to accept the fact that I have to play it in a very different way than I ever have. Yeah, I agreed, agreed. And I, I hope he can do it. I can. I'd like to see him go out on somewhat, some sort of a positive note. I do. I think he's 
underrated greatness throughout his career, you know, and, and yeah, this is Strugglesville right now. And I, I hope he can uh, kind of right the ship and be realistic with himself. And maybe they can win a few football games. And, you know, like you've always said, football is more fun when Pittsburgh's involved. They are. You know, I like watching Pittsburgh. I like Mike Tomlin. I like the old school approach that they have. It's just, you know, rock em, sock em, knock your head off type football. Uh, hopefully he can buy into to the way he has to play. And by the way, uh, to the extent that we're peeking ahead at the schedule, that, that, month, that Sunday night game against the Seahawks is next week. I thought it was a few weeks down the line. It's next week. So... Uh, and then after that, they have their bye. They have an early bye, week seven. I, oh, man, if they oh, if they lose to the Broncos on Sunday, and I don't think they will, and then the Seahawks come to town and it goes poorly for Big Ben before a nationally televised audience, uh, and then there's the bye after that. Yeah, that could be the time. That could be that could be when he goes on injured reserve, yeah, right? Because then after that, the Browns is the Browns. And uh, that's not going to go well either for the Steelers this year, especially given how it went last year. All right, the Steelers are one and three. Time to play. Take your pick. Which one and three team do you have the most faith in, Christopher? Ooh, good question here. I do like the way the Giants play football. I do. They're a one and three team that I like. Okay, it's not my pick here. I'm just I'm just talking out loud a little bit so we can. Have and they should be two and two. They should they be were the two and two. Of that crap offside call on no, the field goal, no doubt. And you could argue that they blew the opportunities against the Falcons, and they could be three and one. So they're a team that's on my radar. But I think ultimately I'm going to pick the New England Patriots. I am. I mean, they're another team. Should be two and two. Outplayed the Dolphins in Week One. Kind of screwed that game up. We saw what they did last week. I know Tampa's not at full strength, but it just shows you that they're not going to be outclassed by any team. They're not going to be like, oh, man, we're really outmatched here. Of course, we know they're coached well. Their schedule, it, it sets up a little bit for them to be able to win some games here going in the future, too, and that that's what makes me pick them. I'm going to go Patriots. I, I'm going to, as much as I don't want to do this, I'm going to say the Vikings at 1-3. and three. Uh -huh. no, You know what? You know what? I, no, he loves no, them. He no. loves them today. He no. loves him some Kirk Cousins. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know what? What? Because the Vikings are in the same division as the Packers. I'm going to say the Colts. Uh, Colts, I hear you. one game behind the Titans. Yeah. And they, they, they've gone through their injury right. stretch. And, and I think most teams are going to deal with that window at some point. The question is, when does it hit? With 17 games, it's going to get more teams than not. And if they can get on the other side of this, I'm impressed with what they did against the Dolphins. And they've been completely written off after losing their first three. And they're yeah. one game behind the Titans. And I, I think that they are a viable candidate to win that division, host the top wild card in the AFC, and lose by 30 in the wild card round. <laughs> but still, the idea that, that they can make it to the playoffs of all the one and three teams, I'd say they're the most likely to get to the playoffs right now. I, I hear you, Mike. I, that would have been another team I would have brought up too. You're right. There's talent there. The defense is certainly a top 10-ish defense. And if they can get the run game going like they did last week a little bit, you know, Carson Wentz, I do think, Mike, Carson Wentz is kind of like he listened to you and he's realized, like, I got to adjust and not, you know, play on the edge every freaking play. So uh, there's something there, and I'm, 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 I hear you. They're definitely one of the teams that I think is in that class right there. All right, which 3-1 and one team is not as good as its record would suggest? Ooh, uh, which 3-1 and one team is not as good as their record would suggest? I'm going to go right That's now. That's what I said. What's Quit that? buying time. I am That's buying what time. I said. Quit buying time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I am totally buying time. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos right now. 
I am. I don't know. I guess I just need to see a little bit more. You know, first off, I don't think their offense has been quite as good or as explosive as I would have expected. You know, let the Jags hang around. Uh, last week, didn't move the ball, and I know Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. You know, I uh, can't remember who they played the week before that, but I remember being a little underwhelmed by their, their Jets. The Jets, right? You know, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great on that side of the ball either. You know, I know their defense is good, but I'm just not I'm not sold on them yet. I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm gonna pick the Denver Broncos. I'm gonna stay in that division, and I'm gonna say the Raiders. Yeah, even though yeah. You, might, you may say I'm salty because I picked the Raiders to win on Monday night. I finally gave in to the, the Raiders fans who were saying, you never picked the Raiders to win, and I did, and thanks for nothing, even though my gut was telling me to pick the Chargers. I know it's easier for me to say that now, but I'm telling you the truth. My gut was telling me to pick the Chargers, and I'm done ignoring my gut. Don't. It's but, got so much uh, good pasta and meatballs down in there, man. 14-0, two different times, down 21-0 to the Chargers. Yeah. They cannot sustain that they have got to find a way to come out of the gates faster and they're lucky they're three and one after falling behind the way they have in three of their four games they've got to stop that or they're going to be floating around 500 all year long and not good enough to get to the postseason i I hear you there that to me it was the broncos or the raiders yeah i because you you still got to question the raiders and their ability to run the ball the offensive line a little bit and even though the defense has certainly been better I just don't know if I, I I don't know if I think it'll last. So I I, I hear you there. Uh, I do. I, you know, there, there's some questions there. Like with the Broncos, I go, yeah, they won three games, but it's you know against some lesser teams in football right now too. So where you just don't know exactly what they are. There are seven two and two teams right now in the NFL. Two in the AFC, five in the NFC. Which is the best of the two and two teams? I still look at the 49ers as being a team that I think is, you know, in, in the upper echelons or on the edge of the upper echelons teams in football. But, I mean, this is easy. I'm still going How with the Kansas. How many times do I? Are you doing it on purpose? Are you trolling us now with the upper echelons? I, I don't even know. I, no, I'm not trolling you. I'm an idiot, and I just say it because that's how <laughs> I say it. Okay? I'm not. I promise you. <laughs> I know. Upper echelon. Okay? Sorry. <laughs> um, no, uh, I'm going to still go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I am just because, of course, you know, their offense, and I have faith in what I saw last week that Patrick Mahomes will stay in the pocket, and if Andy Reid will ride this offensive line a little bit, which I think can be dominant. I mean, dominant. They opened up holes last week against Philadelphia that were you would have ran for five and ten yards in some of those holes. They no, can kick have. some butt. I don't know either. But either way, it brought up brought up the Eagles up a few times because they started going, damn, we, we got we to gotta stop the run. We can't play deep for Tyreek Hill. Their defense is sucky-ducky. I don't know what to say. It is totally falling apart, and that scares me. But the offense is still so good and Mahomes is so good that I'm going to say they're the best two and two team. You know, of the seven teams that are two and two, six of them went to the playoffs last year. The only one that did not was the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. <clears throat> what do you think? I, you know, I, I don't like how they've handled the quarterback situation. I don't. Yeah. And now we have more uncertainty as to whether or not it's going to be Jimmy G or Trey Lance on right. Sunday. But I think the 49ers are the best right now of the 2-2 two and two teams. The one 2-2 two and two team that didn't go to the playoffs last year, I think they're the best of them. And they should have beaten the Seahawks on Sunday. They should be 3-1. and one. 
And they should, they should, they, they could be four and zero. Yeah, they, they had could. the Packers game one after falling behind seventeen nothing. Yep, no doubt. No doubt. I hear you right. there. I mean, they, I think roster wise and team completeness, they probably are the best team. But the quarterback situation is what scares me, and that's why I'd, I'd give the Chiefs just the edge a little bit. We only have one unbeaten team in the NFL, and we are down to only two winless teams, the Wait, Lions. You gotta, who, you're got you skipping what? one. Worst two and two what team. What did I skip? Worst. Oh, the worst two and two team. I did miss one. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, th th thank you. Thank you. Instead of allowing me to kind of, you know, <laughs> finesse my way through that and come back around, I was so excited about Jaguars or Lions as 0-4. I missed the worst two and two team. Which one do you think is the worst? Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad I called you out there. That was fun. Um I'm gonna go with yeah, fun I'm gonna for go me. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Washington. I think Washington is the worst two and two team right now. You know, I mean I don't know if I totally – Heineke, I got a lot of respect. I don't know if I'm totally bought in there yet. Um, and I think the thing that concerns me more than anything is their defense. I mean, their defense is just getting absolutely torn apart. I mean, torn apart. And, yeah, if it wasn't for some Heineke magic last week, they're, they're going to beat the Falcons – or the Falcons are going to beat them. So they're the team I look at right now to be the worst 2-2 two two football team. I agree with you. I have to mention the Saints here, though. They are on this weird Jekyll and Hyde right? thing. Right. Where one week they are phenomenal, and the next week they are like, what in the hell is wrong with the Saints? And we've seen in past years, recent past, where they struggle early, and they snap out of it, and they start rattling off wins, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, they were 2-2. Two and two. Now they're 8-2, and two, and you don't even notice that it happened. It's time. Yeah. And – they play Washington this week, so this is a good elimination test. One of these teams is is a fraud at two and two, and uh, th this is the week for for I don't know whether it's Doctor Jekyll or Mister Hyde, which is good in this context. But you want to show up and be like Mister Hyde and kick the crap out of somebody. And I came dangerously close to saying kick the not crap, right. different word out of. I came I'm too close. I'm telling you, my brain. Tried to betray me on that one, get me in all sorts of trouble. But anyway, uh, I, I hear the, you. The, 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 yeah. I have concerns about the Saints because they've been so ridiculously inconsistent, and it's time to stop being inconsistent. Right. I mean, offense has been weird, right? I mean, it's, you know, offense has been weird in some games where, yeah, they run the ball, but they can't really throw the ball consistently, effectively. So there's been that question. Last week, Jameis Winston played pretty well. They ran the ball pretty well. Mike, I'll tell you, and to talk about your inconsistency, the thing I didn't understand, and I talked about this on my podcast a little bit, is they, they just were way too over-aggressive on defense uh, in the game. That was my assessment. I mean, they played the Giants like they were playing the 1993 Cowboys. They, people at the line of scrimmage, in your face, bump man-to-man, -man, like, like they were worried about the Giants' offensive line was going to gash them in the run game. And all they did was set themselves up to get gashed by the Giants who got sneaky good weapons and Daniel Jones who's throwing the ball great. So I didn't understand the approach of the game plan last week. That was a little confusing to me. Um, and I, I hear you. It's very inconsistent. But I do have faith in them. They're, they're still big and physical, and they got Sean Payton. So I'm hoping they turn it around. Now we arrive at the final topic. Which 0-4 team is more likely to go winless all season? There are only two, the Jaguars and the Lions, who have been there and done that in 2008. They went 0-16. Of the two, and I would say probably neither will yeah, actually do it. That right. 17th game is another chance to avoid right. going winless. But of the two, which one do you think is more likely to 
have the goose egg all year long. I, I mean, Jacksonville has more talent than Detroit. That's the one thing I do look at it. But, like, the Jacksonville, I mean, th- this whole thing and just, you know, it, it makes me wonder a little bit. I have more faith in the Lions coaches. I got more faith in the Jaguars players. That's where I'm a little stuck in between here. Um I think at the end of the day, I'm just going to go with the players that are talented. So if you make me choose either one that goes 0-17, I'll take the Lions, even though I'm with you. I don't think that realistically will happen to either football team. Looking at the schedules there, it looks like the Lions have maybe a little bit of an easier run. But yeah. It, 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 I, I, hey, I, we're going to talk about the Jaguars situation coming up, but they do have to be concerned about this weekend. A loss makes them the third team in NFL history to have 20 straight losses. They are six away from matching the Yuccaneers of 76 and 77, and they are nine away, 10 away, excuse me, seven from matching the Yuccaneers and 10 away from matching the 1942 to 1945 Chicago Cardinals who lost 29 in a row. That's the all-time record. They have to really be concerned about it. They've got some spots coming up where they could maybe get a win. They could win in London against the Dolphins. They could beat the Falcons coming up. That's the game that would get them to 26 in a row. But right now, I'd say with everything that's happening in Jacksonville, You're gonna I'd choose say them? the Jaguars. Yeah, I'd okay. say the Jaguars. All right. But uh, let's take a break, and let's continue to take a look at what's happening in Jacksonville as the Urban Meyer apology tour continues. If you apologize enough times, there's a chance one of them will actually work. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 